Well, I want to wa- uh, welcome anybody who's listening or watching to the First Church Podcast. I am here with Don Armstrong, and um, we're going to talk a little bit about his ministry um, to Asia and the Pacific. And uh, I'm just really thankful that he is on with me right now and willing to talk with me right now because I didn't realize when I scheduled this that they are exactly 12 hours behind us. So it is two in the morning um, where Don is and his wife Carolyn are right now. And so um, welcome, Don. It's, it's good Thank to you. see you. And uh, just go ahead and start off by telling people where you live. Well, my wife Carolyn and I, we are in Chiang Mai, Thailand, which is northern Thailand. <clears throat> it's the second largest city in Thailand. And we've been here for about 11 years. Uh, we base from here to do our work throughout Asia, uh, which is to work with national leaders and work with our missionaries. And so, believe it or not, Thailand's kind of central, and it's an easy place to live. And um, we really enjoy being here. Um, unlike the United States, uh, the COVID has not hit very hard here at all. I think they've had a total of 60 deaths since the thing started last February. So, so we're, so yeah, it's, it, it's a good place to be. It keeps us in the time zone. That's why we haven't come home during the COVID. Uh, we can still stay engaged with our missionaries still stay engaged with our national leaders and um, continue to, to work as much as we can be. One thing we can't do is we can't leave the country. Yeah, okay. Um, so you can't leave the country. What, like they won't let you leave the country or um, you can't no, leave the country and then come back, basically? That's it. it yeah. If we left, we could leave, they'll let us out, but we would not get back in until this, COVID thing is over with. And okay. Who knows when that's going to be? So, yeah. Yeah. And we didn't really, it'd just be hard to work from the States. So okay. we, uh, we chose to stay here and it's, it's been good. 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 So what are, since we're just in talking about COVID now, what is it, what is it like there? I mean, you said there's not as many cases and so forth, but what are you and Carolyn able to go do? What aren't you able to do? Well, everything's open. Restaurants are open. Um, uh, it, everything's pretty much open. You do have to, it is a law that you wear a face mask out in public. And uh, churches can meet. So we have churches meeting. Uh, you can have assemblies. Um, it, it's, it's pretty much like it was, except there's no tourists anymore because the tourists can't get in. <laughs> okay. Um, there's a few, but not very many, but, um, yeah, it, it, you know, you, uh, uh, most ties have kind of forgotten about it. And while they wear the face mask, you know, they wear it down over below their nose or hanging off their ear or something like that. Uh, just because they're just, they just haven't had a problem with it because they've kept it out of the country. That's interesting. Wow. Well, good for good for the ties to be able to to keep it out for the most part. Um, yeah. we're obviously yeah. in a surge here. Yeah, I mean they've done some stuff the United States could never do, and that's like totally lock down the country, keep people out, mm-hmm. and just block everything. Period. And 
the U.S. would not be able to do that. <laughs> yeah, and we would struggle to do that. And yeah, yeah. so that's so. well, that's that's interesting. I guess um, you're the first. I think I've heard to say their country and, and kind of the place they live hasn't been hit too hard. Everybody's kind of got a different reaction to it, as far as the different missionaries I've spoken to. Yeah, um, Japan is fairly COVID free as well. And, and our missionaries there are going about doing their work pretty much normal. Okay. Um, so, yeah. yeah. So, um, we'll go ahead and explain what you guys spend most of your time doing. I mean, you typically, I think, travel all over kind of the Asian South Pacific there. Um, well, obviously, you're not traveling, but yeah. to talk about what you do is because you're, you're, you consider yourselves regional coordinators, correct? Yeah, that's our title. So what, what we do is um, uh, we have we have like 23 different countries here in Asian in the Asian region, uh, which is like from New Zealand to Pakistan. It's like a big triangle, New Zealand, Pakistan, up to Japan, back down. So we have all the countries in there. And um, we have churches in about 23 different countries. And we work with those national leaders that are elected by their churches to be, you know, like the Jim Lyon for them. And uh, we, we come alongside them and, and uh, help them plan, uh, dream, uh, evaluate, uh, just, just work with them to help them see the kingdom grow in their respective countries. And then uh, we have about, we have missionaries in Japan, New Zealand, Sri Lanka, Malaysia, Micronesia. Okay. And um, and then we, and we 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 I would like to say we supervise them, but we work with them and do member care for them and uh, plan uh, retreats with them and then also work with them to help them plan and, and do their work as well if if they ask for it. So and then we're also looking for new missionaries. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's a that's a really large area to cover. I mean, that's a that's a lot of people, a lot of different yeah. cultures, probably a lot of different customs. What what are some of the most interesting people you've kind of come across that are interesting ministries, uh, or maybe challenges in ministry that you've come across that you've seen? Well, you really have to develop a, a, a likeness for rice. <laughs> I thought I liked rice, <laughs> you know, before I, before we moved out here. Uh, but you have to really like it <laughs> because you're going to get it a lot, um, and and that's just the staple diet for most of the countries. Um, there's just been a lot of experiences. Um, I, I really do enjoy the travel. I really do enjoy meeting the people. I really do enjoy uh, the, the various churches that we have throughout the region. Um, and there's so many different ethnicities throughout Asia. I, I think in the United States, we're not aware of how many subgroups there are in these countries. Um, like here in Thailand, you have the ethnic Thais, which are the majority of the population, but then you have 
the hill tribes here in the northern Thailand. There's probably eight or nine of those, and they all have their distinctive linguistic uh, cultures and traditions. And so you have that all the way through Burma, India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, you know, so they, they blend in with the, with the bigger cultures, but then when you, a lot of our churches minister to those smaller ethnic groups, and so you get into those and you, different foods, different language, different customs, and uh, it, it's always really interesting. Uh, the, the church services can be different than what they do in the, in the bigger population. So um, I just find it interesting and I, I just love being able to do that. So all the travel is good. Good. So what are, um, I, I guess, maybe what are some of the challenges that, uh, for instance, here in Thailand, what are some of the challenges that maybe Thai pastors have of sharing the gospel with people? The, um, it, you know, in, in Tha Thailand's a Buddhist country, and um, they have a king here, and it's a real thing. He's, he's a monarch. <laughs> okay. um, and so he's kind of like the Pope. And so to be non-Buddhist in this Thai country, in this Buddhist country, is like being disloyal. Uh, that would be turning your back on the king, turning your back on your, 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 your national religion. And so it's really hard to um, ask, well, it's just really hard for people to do that. And so when people are presented with the gospel, they're more than willing to listen, uh, but to make that step of taking baptism and saying, yes, I do follow Jesus Christ and turning their back on the Thai culture, the, the, the Thai king and everything that goes with it, really hard to do. It's, it's, it's like being a traitor. Yeah, that, I, that's kind of interesting. I mean, I, I do think like there's echoes of that, obviously, in scriptures. I'm, you know, I was contemplating today reading uh, um, Luke 2, where the idea that Jesus has come, the Savior, who is Lord. Now, mm -hmm. obviously, like the Jewish people, as he comes to the Jewish people, they're expecting a Messiah, a God, who they consider Lord. Um, and so the, the Roman, <laughs> Roman Caesar isn't necessarily uh, someone that they're unwilling to turn their back on. But right. for them to then go right at the end of the Gospels and be told, that this, or even in Luke 2, it's actually in Luke 2, that the Savior, this Lord, has come for all people. Um, for them to take this gospel to all people, and in that region, right, those, uh, those people have to basically proclaim Caesar as Lord. Uh, yeah. That's a real commitment for people to need to make. Yeah, uh, it's, it's the same predicament that the first century Christians had when they accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior and rejected Caesar worship. Mm -hmm. You know, that that was disloyal. You were a traitor. And, you know, we, we, we can read numerous accounts of what happened to Christians that, that, that took yeah. that step. It's yeah. hard. I guess it is hard, but in, in some ways, I guess you would almost, there's almost a natural separation of, uh, obviously you never know, but the idea, like if you are, if you are deciding to follow Jesus 
in Thailand, you mean it, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. There's, there's, it, it's a big step. The, yeah. the same the same goes like in India because the the Hindu and it's Hindu uh, the dominant culture. If you're going to take that step out of Hinduism, not quite as difficult as coming out of Buddhism, but it's still you've got the family, extended family, uh, your clan, your ethnic group, and you're kind of walking away from it. Not kind of you are, and you're ostracized. It's it's hard. Yeah, and then Islam—that's a whole different baby work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah. That, that's you could pay with your life with that. And um, but um, you know we have we have a lot of people that have done that throughout Bangladesh, India, Sri Lanka, Pakistan that that have turned you know that have come out of those religions and have embraced Christianity and there's prices to, that they're paying mm -hmm. even today. So, uh, yeah, but, but, but they, what they gain is worth more than what they've left behind. So, yeah. Um, and, and that's, and I do love it when I'm out in the village, when I'm, we're, we're with people, I love to ask them, how did you come to Christ? You know what, especially a, a one that was just baptized or first generation Christian. What what attracted you? What 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 drew you away from these other religions to Christianity? And uh, you know, it was someone talking to them, a friend showing them the way, witnessing to them, bringing them, and then um, the work of the Holy Spirit, basically working in their lives, uh, drawing them out. And, and then being responsive to it. So, yeah. Wow. It, it's good. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. You know, and I, obviously we need more of that in the United States, friends leading friends to Christ. And the Holy Spirit's at work, I think, all around the world. It's whether or not we're being obedient to him um, yeah. and sharing Christ and, and walking alongside people, being patient enough to do that. And you know, we also have second, third, fourth generation Christians here with the same issues that we have with yeah. our, our brothers and sisters in the States. So um, yeah. they're a bit more stayed uh, in their in their practice. <laughs> okay. So yeah. um, I was reading a little bit of your Friday photo, the last one, I think maybe the last one you sent out, I'm not real sure. Um, it, it talks about uh, in India, you know, they have had pretty much complete lockdowns. They shut down the schools. And so in some of these places, some of these schools help house uh, low income girls and they don't even have homes to go back to. And uh, so you just talk about the challenges there. Um, you know, we, uh, we are having obviously economic challenges and, and people are, are, are struggling in, in our own country um, who are in different situations. But uh, again, you cover such a large portion of the world where some of, some of it uh, ha has a lot of poverty and there's even a class systems, there's even class systems baked into them. Uh, so what are some of the challenges that COVID has um, kind of put on some of the, maybe the churches trying to help some of these people or just uh, some of the um, people that you know mm -hmm. are dealing with, with the economic 
implications of COVID? The, um, we, uh, in, in India, Bangladesh, you know, they, they closed down all the factories. This is back in April. Made everybody go back home, you know, um, but which was a disaster. Um, more people died doing that than died of COVID. Um, but then once they get home, there's no work and there, there's no safety net to support them. And so many of them have migrated back to, to the cities to try to find work. But it's left a lot of people impoverished. Um, they weren't that far from poverty to begin with, you know, uh, so it didn't take too much to get back into it. Um, so so they, they know how to survive better than probably we do if we lose everything. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to minimize it. It's still difficult and it's still hard. And, and, and then you've got food trying to procure, you know, just trying to get a, a meal for your family or for yourself. And that's, that's doubly hard as well if you don't have money at all. Because most of these guys are what they call casual laborers. They work for the day, they get their wage, they go home, and they buy food for the next day. And they kind of live hand to mouth. And so all those jobs disappeared. And uh, so it's been very difficult. And then all the schools closed. So the kids are at home. And uh, they, don't, they don't have the networks to do the online schooling like was set up in, in a lot of the countries, you know. So, now you got the kids at home and you got to feed them and you don't have work. And so yeah. problem after problem. Yeah. Uh, but, but losing, but having the schools and the and schools are still shut down in, um, in India and in Bangladesh, Pakistan's opened up, but um, no, they closed back down. It's just hard on the on the students. And I think you probably see that with your, your kids you know, doing online school as opposed to going to class and socialization. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're watching the video, here's JT. <laughs> JT. It's hard. It's hard on the family. It's hard on the kids. And a little. And they're, they're probably not going to be learning as well this year as they, they should be. So. Yeah, the, the, um, yeah, it's been a struggle for different things. I think a study just came out. Uh, earlier this week, her JT's feeling there. He wanted me to peel that on. Um, <laughs> yeah, he uh, a study came out, I think, from Fairfax, um, Virginia, basically talking about I, I think the rise in failure rate was, it was somewhere between 80 and 300 percent um, for virtual. Oh, wow. And Fairfax, to my knowledge, is not a that's not an area that probably struggles with education. It's I think it's a, a, a fairly wealthy suburb of Washington, D.C. Uh -huh. so, um, yeah, our kids just went virtual this past week. Um, and uh, so my wife and I have kicked in to figure out how do we how do we do the virtual thing, but basically homeschool. I mean, you know, I'm not, it, it's so hard for these teachers to, it's not their fault. It's just so hard for them to do school virtually. Yeah. Um, and, you know, yes. you think about kids with working parents, parents that are out working outside the home or have to work outside the home or um, even kids just with home lives that where their parents just aren't able to help them or aren't going to, you know, uh, so. Yeah, that's, and then, you know, 
in, in our region, people we work with, uh, a house might be two or three rooms mm-hmm. and that's it. And uh, maybe electricity, maybe not. Probably electricity. They can get internet, 3G, 4G services, pretty easy to get, fairly cheap as well. But um, just having a place to, to work in your house, uh, to, to do work. And if there's more than one kid, which there is, then you, know, you just compound the problem. And, yeah. and, that's, and that's just if you have a laptop. And most of them don't. Yeah. Most of them are doing it on a phone or something like that. Yeah. So yeah, the education piece is, is been really hard. Uh, here in Thailand, schools have been opened up since last July. Hmm. And uh, they've been able to, to do fairly well because they've kept the COVID out. But yeah. uh, next door to us, Myanmar, um, they're having a terrible time and everything's locked down. Um, I don't think, our churches haven't met since last March um, over there. And Myanmar. Yeah, Myanmar. And, and schools haven't met either since last March. So they're just not doing well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's, that's tough. I mean, you know, you think about trying to rise out of poverty too. Education is such a big part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, is. And, uh, it really is. For people to fall behind or for kids to fall behind mm-hmm. is really tragic. And um, so, yeah, it's just a, it's a, it's, we're stuck between a rock and a hard place here. I think for instance, like our school basically shut down just because it, the, the COVID didn't seem to be spreading in the schools, but it's spreading in people's homes. So teachers, yeah. teachers are getting COVID uh, and nobody wants to substitute. So yeah. you're basically run out of teachers um, yeah. at some point. So they're at risk if they're older and yeah. so it's dangerous. Exactly. Um, so, so, you know, without the travel, we've, we've uh, been doing a lot on Zoom, like what we're doing now. Um, been teaching a theology class to pastors in uh, Karachi. Uh, been teaching Bible subjects to the girls in the shelter down in Katak. And then uh, once a week, we have a Zoom call with all of our missionaries where we come together and uh, you know, talk about how the week is, uh, how, how it's gone, what's what's ahead for them. Um, like I said, the Japanese missionaries, they're they're pretty free to move around and do everything they, they can uh, that they've done before. Uh, New Zealand's the same way. But then we have the, the Bistertons who were out on a small island on Yap. And that's been locked down too. I mean, they're able to move around on the island, but they can't leave. They can't come or go. It's hard enough to get there in the first place, but yeah, uh, they they've been pretty isolated there on an island for the last nine months. And then we have Stephen and Peggy Beverly down in Sri Lanka, and they probably have it the worst. They talking to Steve the other day, and and he said they they added it up out of the last eight months. They've actually been confined in their home for about five of those months. Wow, that would be rough. That that would yeah that's that's the hardest of any of us here in this region that have, that have been locked down and, and so just doing this weekly call uh, is it, just trying to keep the connection up because you can't get down there to see them and 
maybe connect during the week, but, um, but they're doing well. Uh, he's actually written a whole curriculum on how to do a, a missions program, if you're interested. It's pretty good. Okay. Um, and he's, he does painting. He's painted a couple pictures and they're they're there's there's they're strong individuals so they're 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 doing okay but man five months in your house <laughs> that'd be tough fortunately, fortunately you didn't have kids <laughs> yeah that would be impossible yeah i think so <laughs> you'd have a couple less kids after that probably yeah. <laughs> <laughs> depending on how many you had to begin with but yeah wow well what are um maybe some of your Carolyn's biggest challenges right now, or how could people pray for you before we kind of go here in a few minutes? Well, you know, our biggest challenge is, is trying to stay that connected with, with our leaders and, you know, we continue to reach out, but even a lot of them don't have the capability to reach back. <laughs> yeah. Or they're just busy treading water, trying to keep, keep their own noses above water. Uh, trying to keep the church open, or just trying to keep their pastors together, and so um, for me, the biggest concern is Dorothy and Shelley over in Myanmar. They they have not been able to come together for nine or eight months, and um, she does a really good job using WhatsApp and using Messenger to to keep communication open. But you know, there's something missing when you can't come together and meet in person. Mm -hmm. That this is a good second fill-in type of thing, but it's just not the same as meeting together and breaking bread and and singing and praying and that kind of stuff. It's probably going to go on for another six, eight months there as well. So um, she's kind of top on my list right now for being concerned. And then the church in Hong Kong, um, they. You know, we, they, they've had their little tussle with mainland China <laughs> over yep. the last two years, and they've basically lost. And so they're going to be pretty much incorporated into as another province of mainland China. Okay. And they're going to, the churches are going to come under the authority of the, the same church ministry that governs the rest of China. And so there's just a lot of despair as to the future of living in Hong Kong. And a number of our, you know, a lot of people are trying, are, are working to get out and leave. Wow. So I pray for our, 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 our senior pastor there, Edmund Moon, really concerned about him because he's under a lot of pressure from, you know, people in the church, what do we do? What's, what, what, what direction do we go now? Are we going to come under the authority of the church or under the authority of the state? What happens um, when you come under the authority of the Chinese state? Um, they give you the Bible to use that they approve. And they, there are certain doctrines that they don't approve of. And so you, and you sever ties with any church organization that you were part of outside of Hong Kong. So um, it's like becoming a, a certain ministry of the state. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, it's just that the people in Hong Kong are just, just have enough of an independent spirit about them that they don't 
you know, they're just going kicking and screaming into this and like the rest of us hopefully would as well. So pray for our church in Hong Kong. Um, I don't get much news from them. And so I, I really worry about them and I, I can't get up there. So yeah. Yeah. Pray, pray for it. Pray for, for them. I hope people will do that. Um, I really appreciate you getting up at two in the morning to have this conversation. Next time I ask you to have a conversation, you're in Thailand at uh, two, two o'clock Eastern time. Tell me that it's two in the morning, your time. <laughs> well, if, it, if it was going to be three or four in the morning, I would have said something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on. Two is two is too late too. We could have, I could have done this in the morning or in the evening for you. Um, but I appreciate you, you being with us and, and with me. And I want to remind people uh, that they can go um, and learn more about you at Jesus is the Subject, global, at the Global Strategy, jesusisthesubject.org, and then go to Global Strategy. And I will post a link um, to your guys' personal page uh, okay. at the bottom of this YouTube and, uh, uh, post that I'll do. And um, I'll do a blog post with that on it too. So people, if they want to, if they want to um, go learn more about you or even subscribe to your uh, newsletter, they can do that. Um, also, if they want to give directly to you, we encourage people in our church to give to Faith Promise. Uh, we use that to support um, missionaries all around the globe. Uh, you you and Carolyn being two of them. And we thank you so much for that. It's been a great relationship with Mitch. Well, we've for enjoyed sure. it and we, we appreciate um, how you've been faithful to God's call in your life. and. Um, we, we pray for you uh, quite often as a church collectively. And uh, so um, you guys ever need anything, make sure you mm -hmm. let us know. Thank you very much. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate you being on here. Any last thing you want to tell people? Um, just a minute. What, Carol? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much for the opportunity to, to, to speak a few words and thank you also for the support, uh, especially prayer support uh, for us and for our missionaries and for the, uh, the work that's going on throughout Asia. Um, the church is still going forward. You know, people are still being baptized. People are still coming to the Lord. Uh, new churches are still being planted. So stuff's going on and uh, I, I would just like to get out there and see it firsthand. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's pray COVID, uh, COVID moves on and, and that way you can start moving as well. Yeah. For yeah. everybody. We did. So yes. thank you again. Thank you again, Josh. Welcome.